JAT Chat, presented by the Journal of Athletic Training, the official journal of the National Athletic Trainers Association. I'm Dr. Shelby Bias, an assistant professor in the Department of Exercise and Sports Science at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, and the co-host of JAT Chat with Dr. Kara Radzak. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Ms. Dana White. Ms. White is a registered dietitian nutritionist, certified athletic trainer, and clinical associate professor of athletic training and sports medicine at Quinnipiac University. She's a co-author of Inter-Association Consensus Statement on Sports Nutrition Models for the Provision of Nutrition Services from Registered Dietitian Nutritionists in Collegiate Athletics. That was a mouthful, but I'm really excited to be able to talk with you all today, with you today about this article. And thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Shelby. Thank you for having me. You did a great job. That That is a mouthful <laughs> for sure, for sure. So just starting off, uh, what led to the development of this consensus document? So this has been years in the making, dare I say over a decade in the making. Um, this was really, the, the idea behind this was the brainchild of, of one of our authors, Victoria Lambert. She started off with uh, Jennifer Ketterly and Amy Culp um, years ago in the idea of developing a document like this. As time went on, um, myself as well as other authors were were brought in. So um, you know, from start to finish, I I've lost track of of how many years. But the team, the authorship team that um, is responsible for publication. You know, we've been working diligently um, for the last uh, nearly five years in in really making this come together. And really, you know, the goal, one of the major goals we had was to truly define who we are as sports dietitians. Um, sport RDNs is the term that we use throughout the paper, so I'll try to keep consistent with that. Um, and and really a really unified stance on how to help clinicians get into more sports sports nutrition in the collegiate setting, how to help further develop existing you know, uh, programs or, or any sort of however sports nutrition services were being offered to help expand those, to help develop them where they were needed and providing a, an evidence-based cohesive document that we had all parties weigh in on to focus on that interdisciplinary approach to healthcare that we all know is so important in patient care. So again, long-winded here, but but really it started out quite a long time ago through a, a group of very de- dedicated sports dietitians who work in a variety of disciplines that said, you know, we want to create more structure in this space. So so I uh, really, really enjoyed reading this consensus document. And one of the things you just alluded to as well, but also spent some time defining in the the document was what a sports RDN is. So I was curious if you could just describe for us who is a sports RDN, what do they do, what are the different educations, credentials, um, and just give our our listeners some, some understanding there. I feel like certainly the athletic trainers that I work with and, and other healthcare providers that I work with are familiar with a registered dietitian. Um, but you know, the the profession itself is moving more towards the credential of RDN, registered dietitian nutritionist. Really, because you know, nutritionists are not dietitians, right? So all dietitians are nutritionists, but we do see other so-called experts, may I say, out there maybe using that term nutritionist. So the profession of dietetics is really moving towards an RDN credential. Um, you know, to, again, 
make sure that there's value in that and that people are are going to the evidence-based practitioner in order to get in this case sports nutrition services but really th- throughout dietetics so much like other disciplines when we look at dietitians there are areas of specialization so this idea of the sports rdn so that qualified credentialed registered dietitian nutritionist but has that additional training that falls within very specific scope of practices as set out by the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics to cover clinical sports nutrition um, and and medical medical nutrition therapy and things that are, are are designed throughout the paper, really trying to define the type of clinicians that sports RDNs are. So there are certification. So the the one for sports dietitians is called the CSSD, which is um, a credential specific to sports dietetics, where there is, it's really the reflection, that certification of that additional training that dietitians get that want to pursue careers or want to work in that space, really. So, you know, and and we, we tried really hard to work on some of the tables and infographics in that paper to, to really lay out the differences between the two. So that kind of self-described nutritionists that not necessarily have those proper credentials, right? I, I think as athletic trainers, we've encountered that throughout our career as well. People not necessarily understanding exactly what goes into to our credentials. Um, so we see that in dietetics as well. Then, you know, the RDN, the registered dietitian nutritionist, and what those foundational skill set and kind of you know educational requirements are. And then that CSSD, which is Certified Specialist in Sports Dietetics. So, you know, not, not all sport RDNs have CSSD. Many, many do. And we kind of break down the different criteria of really what you want to see in a qualified clinician that is working in clinical sports nutrition like we want at the collegiate level. So you, you mentioned some of the infographics and another one of the infographics that I, I saw in this paper was describing different levels of practice. So competence, proficient, and, and expert. Can you just elaborate a little bit more on those different levels and then how should institutions consider these levels in the hiring process? We look at it, yes, the confident, proficient, and expert. And obviously there's a connection to years of experience that, that go into that as well. And so we kind of weigh, lay out competent as, you know, they've qualified, certified as a, as a registered dietitian. Um, they ha- they're starting to get off their experience. They have more than three years of experience, you know, in sports nutrition. And then we kind of build from there. So when we see that sort of per- proficient clinician, they obviously have more years of that kind of uh, specialty experience under under their belt and they demonstrate additional skills and knowledge within clinical sports nutrition they may or may not again that cssd is, is very is something that we want to see it may or may not be for, for depending on the on the clinician and then we get into that kind of expert range right and and the way i the way that we kind of put it on the paper i'm going to read you directly it says rdn has a high degree of professional autonomy and responsibility in specialty area and practice and i think that's really where that would be more when we look further into the paper at the specific models that we lay out it really kind of shows where these play where you might find these players depending on the staffing depending on the program where you might have you know someone that has more of that expert status and then some of those those other proficient and competent, you know, RDNs working alongside them and and underneath them. 
So you just alluded to some of these different models. Uh, it was a great segue to my, my next question about the paper here are the, the different models. And just curious if you could just elaborate on uh, these different models for our listeners. Sure. So, so in addition to kind of laying out all the different things that sports RDNs do and, and really, you know, our, our kind of, you know, our, our different areas of expertise, um, and we can talk about that, that later if, if you want, but that, that was really kind of what, what drove these models is, and also realizing that all different institutions have different resources, different structures, but we wanted to offer these opportunities where we could show not only the value and importance, but the roles that those sports RDNs can play in, in the different variety of settings, resources, size of the school, number of student athletes, so on and so forth. So we really basically did it in a four-pronged manner where we had the, the model of a part-time clinician and what they would be responsible for, then a full-time clinician, so that one full-time practitioner that was there to work with the athletes, then it, to broaden that out, again, depending on all of those factors, we would look at something more like a program structure and then a department structure. And, you know, obviously the resources, the number of staff members would, and, and really the services that could be provided would expand accordingly, right? And you see that kind of foundational core no matter what, you know, that we would be providing these, you know, these qualified medical nutrition therapy clinical services, you know, to the athletes, and then depending on these different models, how, th how those might be able to grow, right? So, you know, even if you look in a part-time size, we talk about supplement safety, right? So just as an example, you know, you're going to see that kind of throughout the models, but that, you know, that, so we have these kind of foundational groups of responsibilities and things that we would want to see in all of the models. And then those expansions grow when you have more resources and more bodies. And But again, also catering to the increased number of athletes that you would most likely see in a, in a larger program, for example. Yeah, so along those lines, um, just listening to you, the, the different models that are available, um, what have been the barriers as a sports RDN that you've identified with is it education to athletes, education to coaches? What are what are some of the barriers that you've ex experienced? Well, I think, you know, truthfully, I think a lot of it is is maybe of under truthfully, a lack of understanding about all the services that sports RDNs offer. And, and that, you know, that I don't say that, you know, in a in a bad way. It's not, you know, it is maybe just the the, the way that we're perceived um, and to show all the different ways that we can help in optimizing the care for student athletes. Um, and, and so, you know, I, you know, money is always a barrier. Resources are, are always a barrier. So, you know, that, that goes without saying. But I think in additionally, just, you know, we really wanted to create this document so that it is something that you could take to administration and show them, you know, not only like, value in having a sports RDN on your team, but all the different ways that they can help benefit the entire athletic program, really. So, you know, I, 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 the idea is that I think there could be different hurdles depending on the structure. But, you know, as, as we all know, even as athletic trainers, I always find myself in this, my athletic training hat and my sports RDN hat, you know, and there's, there's a lot of similarities, but I think, you know, I, I, the, that value of that interdisciplinary approach to healthcare 
is obviously what we all want for, for our student athletes. And we really wanted to provide really tangible explanations and examples of, of why it's important and how it can be done in an efficient and effective manner. Yeah, I, I can definitely empathize with uh, having to put on your athletic training hat. So for me, it's my sports psych hat. Um, so I, I totally get having to shift back and forth. One of the things that you all did a really good job that I, I really enjoyed reading about was the evidence and minimal standards for nutrition services. Um, and I think one of the things you all identified and discussed was this idea that our athletes are protected from risk factors associated with metabolic syndrome and cardiovascular disease, which uh, when you take a step back, you're like, oh, but they're high functioning, physically active humans. You, you think that they wouldn't be at risk for these different things. Um, but you uh, all identified that um, potentially that may not be the case. So I was curious if you could just briefly discuss what we know about these risk factors as it relates to metabolic syndrome and cardiovascular disease. In this population, and, and what do what role does sports um, RDMs play in in helping to reduce some of these um, concerns? Okay, absolutely. So, and and really, um, I'm so glad that you were that you that this stuck out to you, and that's really kind of how we tried to organize the paper. So we we put under clinical sports nutrition several different kind of avenues. So one being metabolic health, which we can, and cardiovascular function, which we're going to talk about. And then we, you know, then went on to things like eating disorders and disordered eating behavior. And then we tried to kind of wrap it up and say, okay, here's the minimal standard that we want to see in this space. And then we kind of moved on to other areas like performance nutrition and food service management. And again, all those really big overarching areas that, that we see uh, sports RDNs playing an important role. So, yeah, the specific to the the metabolic health, I, I think you know most of the data that exists is in football, um, and and I think that's definitely a, a good place to start. And we need more research, kind of looking at other high level athletes as well. But really looking at the at the fact that many of these student athletes do present with things like you know uh, altered glucose. Um, glucose tolerance or pre-hypertension, full-on hypertension, showing, you know, real markers. You know, again, that impaired glucose tolerance is another, is a big surprising one. And just looking at that, you know, even just coming in, this is what we're seeing. We see it, we definitely see it with linemen, but it's not just with linemen, right? Again, that's what some of the data is also suggesting. So really calling out an important need for, despite the, the high functioning level of these athletes, that focusing on nutrition-related outcomes and, and kind of real what we call medical nutrition therapy to not only help their short-term health in this space, but long-term health in terms of cardiovascular function, you know, predisposition to developing type 2 diabetes and things like that. So we go on in the paper to discuss so it's as much as a third of the athletes that... Um, have been identified in some of the data looking at getting insufficient amounts of omega-3s, for example, those omega-3 fats that are, are vital for cardiovascular health. You know, again, that's just another piece. And, and I think it really shows so we've identified that these athletes need something. And then that leads to the nutrition education that the sports RDNs can provide. If we look specifically at, at omega-3s, for example, oftentimes, again, we're going to talk about food sources of omega-3s, but also potentially a fish oil supplement. And again, you see that important. So it just kind of is, leads to this progression 
of all of these areas because when it comes to supplement safety, the sports RDN is the expert in that space as well. So starting with everything from the beginning thoughts of, of protecting long-term cardiovascular health, we get all the way to supplement safety in that same conversation when we're talking about trying to protect the safety, well-being um, of our athletes, you know, from from that healthcare, from that health perspective, and then also for things like supplement safety and things like that. Yeah, well, what I keep um, just kind of hearing and thinking about over and over again is this idea of making sure we're treating our athletes as humans and making sure that we're treating patients and our athletes from a holistic perspective and not just understanding maybe their physical health and well-being from a like functional standpoint, but also understanding the roles that nutrition plays, the roles that psychology plays, the roles that so many of, the, of these other domains play into making sure that we can provide the best patient care for our, our patients and our athletes. Um, because as I mentioned, that, that stat that you mentioned about the metabolic syndrome and cardiovascular disease was quite uh, stunning when I re- reflecting on that. So I guess that leads me to my next thought and just kind of wanted to talk about one, um, from a rehabilitation standpoint as an athletic trainer with injured athletes, uh, how do we see sports RDNs uh, coming into that role and and what are some ways that we can integrate a sports RDN to help improve our patients and their care? There's so many opportunities to to, to do this really and um, I think Personally, I, I I do see athletes, maybe that even the athletes that maybe weren't so interested in nutrition, if they're injured, um, you know, all of a sudden, it, you know, again, that 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 kind of mindset of wanting to get back, wanting to get better, you know, maybe even even piques their their interest at that point. But I think it, it really is a 360 degree sort of perspective of where nutrition can help them, whether it's working on their relationship with food, helping that athlete that thinks that they're injured and they don't have to eat, right? And then their healing is slowed and 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 we don't want that, right? So it's really, again, that educational piece is always there. Working with the sports medicine staff. I mean, we, we have been able to target specific interventions to help promote healing. Um, and again, depending on, are we talking about a body injury? Are we talking about, you know, head trauma? I mean, there's so many different, um, you know, types of injuries and therefore different types of nutrition interventions. But again, just having that piece along with whatever re- rehabilitation is required. Um, and again, the athlete doesn't need to be completely out for in order for there to be that that sort of intervention. So it really comes from, you know, everything from, you know, biochemical data. Do we need to look at lab work? Do we need to to analyze, you know, their food intake? to, you know, the kind of meal preparation and what is being offered to them. Are they, you know, do we have to help them navigate the cafeteria? Do do we have to modify some of the training table offerings, right? So it really is this kind of global way that we can help support each other in making sure that, you know, their hydration is adequate, that their fueling is adequate um, to get them, you know, to get to return to play as fast as possible, right? That's what everybody wants. And, and having that, again, that kind of, culminating effects also so that it doesn't all fall fall on the athletic trainer, right? Again, Mm -hmm. in in looking at that specific example is, you know, athletic trainers, as we know, they don't always have time time to do it all. So this is really that opportunity where that that, that referral can be made 
that sports RDN. Again, let's get them back as fast as we can, but let's do it in an efficient way um, and let the athletic trainer focus on, on their areas of expertise and then let the sports RDN, you know, work their magic as well. Yeah, I think you just said it so eloquently to that this is a clear area for ability for us to engage in interprofessional collaboration to enhance patient care when they're injured. So along the lines of nutrition education services, so let's say I'm an athletic trainer at a high school, what are, what are some things that an athletic trainer at a high school, potentially all the way up to a D1 level can start to, to do and how can they start to, to integrate and find sports RDNs to, to help with their patients? So I, I must say there, there are 94 citations in this paper, um, but I must say they are so, I, I, I'm constantly, it really is a hit list of amazing resources for athletic trainers in any setting to really look in, again, they want that, that evidence-based sort of facts. I find at the high school level, it's really the fundamentals that are the most important. We can't have you skipping meals all day. We can't have you, you know, you can't show up for two o'clock practice and you be in like a pop tart, you know, you know, this this idea of, of really encompassing even just setting the foundation of the value of nutrition in truly helping to fuel performance, I think is is one of the most important, important aspects. You know, as athletic trainers, much like sports DNs, we need to really help translate that science into practical applications for our athletes, no matter what the topic. So we've really tried to provide a lot of science here, um, but good, reliable resources that athletic trainers can use and then take to their athletes. Um, of course, too, we, we offer, again, just these kind of reminders of, of the areas where sports dietitians can be helpful. I mean, uh, can we bring, can we find someone locally with the proper credentials to come in and speak to that high school group um, and 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 things like that, even if it's just you know the, those occasional one-offs. I have found more and more interest in athletic trainers seeking out sports RTNs in their community to to come in and and come in regularly and and have some face time with the athletes. And whether you're talking to all the athletes at once or you have the luxury of being sports specific with one particular team, there are ways that you can deliver some of that you know on-site nutrition, you know, uh, education that, that can make a really big difference while setting that foundation to get those athletes to buy into the value of what sports nutrition is and how it can help them optimize their performance. Yeah, I, I this paper is packed with like 94 like references that uh, athletic trainers can use to, to start to enter this space. So one of my, my follow-up questions to that is what's next? What Where do we go from a research standpoint? Where do we go from a clinical practice standpoint as released in this space? So, you know, I think we, we I went, went ahead and identified some very specific areas in the paper of where we think there could be future research. I mean, obviously, we want to see more of these models executed, um, you know, at, at the collegiate level, and and that's why it was also so important to us to 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 work with associations, you know, NATA, CPSDA, um, the Sports and Human Performance Nutrition Arm of of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. We really wanted to make sure that we were all on the same page in in doing this. So. You know, of course, we want to see, you know, as we 
hopefully can continue to expand these services, what the outcomes of those things are, right? And then can we learn from them? Are we seeing decreases in in injuries? You know, are we preventing them? Or are we making strides and getting in return to play faster? And so, I mean, these are these are pie in the sky, right? I, I would like to see these, but I think this idea of injury prevention and treatment, um, you know, was something we identified it was nutrition related uh, neuroprotection from head injuries, right? The, uh, you know, we're all talking about this, but can we start to continue to see areas where we can, where we can really start to have data to say these nutrition interventions made a positive impact, um, whether it be re- return to play, injury prevention, things like that. Um, we also talked a little bit about gut health. You know, again, can we see how how can nourishing our athletes better hopefully then lead to other outcomes that involve, you know, even things like anxiety and depression, right? That kind of gut brain axis. Um, so again, like is how we we are helping fuel our athletes better and then those physical outcomes, you know, the, the benefits that they are reaping from them. So that's really what we're hoping for. Um, and in addition to that, just really increasing to to hope prove the quality of care that student athletes are getting um, when it comes to, of course, you know, specific to sports nutrition, but also looking again at what that means for them sort of globally in terms of their performance and their overall health. I think those you've identified some fantastic uh, uh, future research opportunities, and I know some of that's written in this consensus statement. Um, so I'm excited to see some of that work come to fruition. Um, so could, could you just, my final question is, can you just provide a take-home point about your paper for our listeners? If you want them to leave this podcast with one thing, what would be that one thing be? To spend some time in this paper and just to understand the you know the broad expertise that sports dns can sport rdns can offer um within the collegiate setting that um and really how it can help that interdisciplinary approach to healthcare that we're all looking for to optimize you know the health and well-being of our of our student athletes um and then we really tried to break it down and say here's all the areas where uh sports rdns are are really working at you know in clinical sports nutrition you know so um i think i think a lot of times dietitians are thought of as you know just the food service side of things and believe me that's a really important part of what we do but you know the real science of clinical sports nutrition and what that has to offer athletic programs is really what we we want to highlight and and what we spent a lot of time trying to digging into showing some real tangible evidence-based examples of, of how that can be done is being done um and and can continue to to evolve from here on out wonderful well dana thank you so much for joining me today uh, and to our listeners, this article will be available free of charge by the Journal of Athletic Training. And I highly recommend everyone go and download this manuscript when it comes out in an upcoming issue. Again, thank you so much, and we will see you next time. 